Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Silver Screen and Roll post-game show. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, it's been a minute since we've recorded together. It's almost as if you are actively avoiding me, uh, but I do not mind, if we're being honest. I, I enjoy I enjoy expanding my horizons, and uh, it, it's it's been nice. Well, I mean, that was like the meanest intro you could have given me. It was like, like, that was a roller coaster. First of all, it just went from like, oh, you're avoiding me. And I'm like, oh, no, or like Christian's feelings hurt. And then you're like, no, I'm going to hurt your feelings, actually, <laughs> and say that I actually don't like podcasting. With it you. Is, so this is like, this is a great way to kick off the show when I'm doing you and Anthony a favor by filling it. <laughs> it's only right. Uh, how are you holding up? You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, like I, I I get better than Anthony, whose power is out because he was supposed to do this post game show, and uh, you know, in the most predictable turn of events in the world, the snowstorm that he had so far avoided in Texas affecting him cut his power like heading into the fourth quarter for the. So if you're wondering what was responsible for that Lakers run, it was Anthony's power going out. He was no longer able to watch. And because like pretty much right after that was the 17 to four run that they went on. And so, yeah, I am, uh, I'm filling in. So better than Anthony, I'm doing all right. How are you, Christian? I'm doing all right. I am uh, obviously hoping for the best for, for Anthony and his family. Cause I've, from what I've heard, things are very crazy over there right now. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping to get Anthony on a better night for Kyle Kuzma because that is kind of our bit. Uh, and though Kyle Kuzma got the start in place of Anthony Davis on Tuesday, it was not Kyle Kuzma who had the big night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It was Dennis Schroeder who had 24 points in, I was going to say an, another start, uh, Schroeder's been a starter all season. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then LeBron James, 30, 13, and 7. Uh, not much you can else you can say about him than has already been said. But this is a a a like medium in which we do talk. So if there is more things to be said, uh, this is where we'll say it. Um, and then Montrez Harrell, 17 points off the bench. Harrison, I think the overwhelming feeling going into this nine-game stretch without Anthony Davis is like, Who's going to step up? And I think, obviously, you'd like to have a one-for-one one replacement for Anthony Davis, uh, but that's that's just not going to be the case. If there was a one-for-one one replacement for Anthony Davis waiting on the bench, I doubt he'd be on the bench. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, just not to give everyone PTSD, but like the, this is uh, it's almost like two seasons ago when it was like, okay, LeBron's going to be the top option, but who's going to be the number two night to night? It was a different guy. Th- this Lakers team is obviously more talented than that one, even without Anthony Davis. But you think like. So? It, I think so. I mean, those those guys, like, you know, they were nice young prospects, but I think knowing what we know in with, with the benefit of hindsight and that they still needed to develop a little bit, like, I, I think that, yes, I mean, and Ingram was not the best fit with LeBron. So, like, that kind of, I guess, skews my perception of it a little bit. And also, like, he had not grown into what he was now. But I guess, like, you know, we could argue over that statement. But this team, I think, I guess to put it, more accurately then is at the very least more qualified to have that oh, second guy. Harrison, I was being sarcastic. That it, there I, is yeah, no, look, I know you used to run Lonzo wire. I know you are a huge no, Lonzo stand. I didn't want to no hurt your feelings. Denying. I didn't want to hurt, you know, our remaining Ingram stand bases feelings. And <laughs> so, you know, I was going to, de- I was ready to defend my take. No, I listen, 
Lance Stevenson, if I can remember correctly, was starting those games without uh, LeBron James. So we're not well, without starting... LeBron. Sure, I just mean alongside LeBron early on, earlier on in the season uh, when he yeah, was yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. No, this team, this team without LeBron and AD is better than that team was yeah. without LeBron. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, the I think what I was expecting and what I always expect from Kyle Kuzma when he starts is just like a, you know, a nice 20 and 10 game. Uh, that wasn't the case on Tuesday. And I'm sure, you know, last season, if, if this was kind of a, a slow night for Kuz, I think a lot of people would sound the alarms and, and say, you know, what's going on with this kid. But with how much he's been able to impact the game without scoring, I think it's less of a big deal. And, you know, a lot of the good things about bringing in two six-man-of-the-year candidates in Dennis Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell this year is you don't need Kyle Kuzma or Alex Caruso or, you know, even Marcus Gasol, who, you know, cracked double figures, I think, for the second or third time this season. Uh, you don't need those guys to have big nights because you can rely on Schroeder and Harrell to have, to have high-scoring nights, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, did what, what were your general thoughts on the game did did you feel like the Lakers were always going to come out with it or uh were you worried in that fourth quarter when they started making a run that we were headed to overtime again no I mean to be honest like I was not very worried at all like I I mean my (laughs) my prevailing thought while watching this game is like like can we get Carl Anthony Towns like on a good team you know, like, like, is it, is it too early to start photoshopping him in the Lakers jerseys? I know, I know they have Anthony Davis out for a while, but like, man, like he was fourth in the team in shot attempts tonight. Like, yeah. I don't, I mean, but as far as, I mean, it's just, it, it's sad to like watch him play there and just have basically no help. And also apparently defer to that no help yeah. uh, and not get the ball and whatever. Like I'm, you know, I'm sad for him and that's just on the basketball court. Like I think uh, my main takeaway from this game was, uh, you know, it was funny going into the night. I was, we have our content planner and I was looking at one of the quotes that we have in there from Schroeder from last week where he was mm-hmm. talking about how Jared Dudley and LeBron and AD have been telling him to be more aggressive and, you know, without AD out there tonight, we really saw the fruits of that start to c- come together. I mean, I think your main takeaway was basically the same as mine. It's just that, like, it- it's really, really nice to have guys that can step up for you like that without Anthony Davis in the lineup. Obviously, this team is going nowhere or nowhere good in the playoffs without Anthony Davis and, and certainly not as good as they want to be. But during regular season games, like, this is what we talked about all of free agency, right? Was wh- Or the offseason was, you know, when you bring in Schroeder and you bring in Trez, like these are guys that, you know, if you're going to load manage LeBron or you're going to load manage AD and we didn't, you know, foresee this injury for him. But if one of those guys is going to sit out, you have guys that can carry the load in a regular season game and uh, put some good production together for you there. And so I think that both of those guys really coming in and getting it done was like, it was huge for the Lakers. And I do, you know, not to, create not to like do the media thing of looking for problems where there really aren't any of like oh like this team is good but it could be better and like but tonight did make me think and it just kind of it'll be interesting to watch this next stretch without ad that the lakers really may be better with Schroeder coming off of the bench when it matters just because 
you know, without that clear secondary option ahead of him out there, like he just looks so much more aggressive, especially to start that game. There was no like kind of, you see the apple loading wheel if he's trying to figure out, do I give the ball to AD? Do I give it to LeBron? Like, what am I doing out here? Where do I go? You know, it was just, I'm going to the rim and that is the end of the discussion. And, you know, again, it was the Timberwolves and they suck and they have like a horrible defense. And so I want to see this against good teams too. But I do think that if he continues to show that, not that he like deserves to be demoted the second AD comes back, but I think it's something that maybe the Lakers keep in mind for in the playoffs, if they start to hit, you know, a wall somewhere, maybe that's an adjustment they can make where they, you know, they know that Schroeder looks better as a primary creator with a less talented unit. Yeah, and I think, you know, it doesn't even have to be him coming off of the bench, I don't think, because obviously you look at the lineup numbers uh, with that five-man unit, the Lakers starters are, or at least were as of last week, one of the best five-man units in the NBA. So, you know, they obviously have something going there. Uh, But I think if you were to, there are just too many cases to be made for Schroeder not playing with LeBron and AD than there are at this point in like, not to the detriment of the team either, because if you were to play Alex Caruso in that lineup instead of Dennis Schroeder, you can make the argument that, you know, Alex Caruso maximizes that lineup a little bit better than Dennis Schroeder does, and that Dennis Schroeder maximizes, you know, the, the bench unit that Caruso plays in uh, a little better than Caruso does. And uh, that that's why I think ultimately when the postseason rolls around, we'll see more minutes with Schroeder with that bench unit. Uh, I know him and Trez talked, a lot going into the season about the potential of that pick and roll. And it seems, you know, Frank Vogel's pretty high on that as well. And, you know, we saw last postseason what Alex Caruso can do when he's paired alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, a low usage guy. And, you know, when you're in the postseason, LeBron and AD are doing the bulk of the work anyway. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm on the same page with you there. I, and Alex Caruso undefeated as a starter in the postseason. It's, uh, it's important that we always mention that. Him and Michael Jordan are just the <laughs> two. Uh, yeah, I don't. I somehow don't think that that is true about Michael Jordan. I feel like at some point he lost nope. the game as a starter in the nope. postseason. No, I. So I somebody to the last with, dance. They they blurred those results out. <laughs> somebody with an MJ goat uh, TwitCon on Twitter told me that Michael Jordan has never lost a playoff game in his life. I took it at uh, face value. Uh, the the other thing I want to mention that kind of made me feel good after the the game today was I was a little worried about the Carl Anthony Towns matchup because without AD you don't really have a ton of defensive uh, versatility in that front court because it's like Marcus Hall and Kyle Kuzma make the argument that Kuzma is more of a tweener which isn't which isn't I was thinking about this the other day it's not so much an insult to be called a tweener anymore just because of like, you know, people like positional versatility at the three and four. Uh, yeah, tweener is like almost a plus in today's NBA, yeah. depending on your situation and your talent <laughs> level. Yeah. And, and your skill set. Like yeah. Wesley Johnson, you know, probably still an insult to call him a tweener in today's I don't think, NBA. I don't even think tweener was his problem. Like it was not having skills was more of his problem. Like it wasn't, it wasn't the size <laughs> thing. Quick aside, I watched an interview with Leslie Johnson the other day, and he said that the reason he feels his game fits more of like the overseas game is that everybody just shoots three pointers in the NBA now, and that 
that doesn't take a lot of skill and he didn't like the direction the NBA was going. So uh, he feels like his skill set is, is more valuable overseas. And I'm like, God, what a way to spin that, Wesley. Johnson. I mean, honestly, look, if, if we're just in a vacuum, again, I don't want to go too far off track here, but he's not wrong. <laughs> like, slashing wings are more valuable in the game overseas, like, like, with the way that they play. And, you know, just with the athleticism deficit over there, like, his athleticism by <laughs> itself is enough to, you know, make him an impact player. So make him a Hall I, of I feel him there. Right. <laughs> and look, um, I, too, sometimes have wanted to go and like dominate in a small pond versus like actually competing <laughs> against other professionals. Why do you think I stayed in college? Like, you know, as a, a <laughs> collegiate journalist until I was, you know, 30 years old, not actually, well, but yeah, well, that was 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> enough about the old days. Yeah. Uh, I, I expected Carl Anthony towns to maybe have a bigger game against us because I think Mark is a really good, like, positional and, and paint defender but you know cat can shoot from anywhere on the floor and obviously is one of the most talented big men in the nba that is i think above all else when when you don't have anthony davis that's what you're missing even more so than his offensive production is to have somebody on the floor that when you go small you can play him at both the four and the five and that's a luxury that mm, I don't want to say only the Lakers have, but they're definitely one of the few teams in the I mean, league. only the Lakers have Anthony Davis to do right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, and like, but this is going to astound you. The Lakers have barely done that this year. You want to know how many, how high, what percentage of his minutes Anthony Davis is playing at center this season? Oh, maybe two, if I 12, had to guess. 12%. Mm. That is, that is like by tw- over 20% a career low. Like they are really trying to keep him from having to do that very much. The Lakers did miss his rim protection. There were a couple times where Cat got right to the paint and I know right. exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, he was really giving it to Gasol in the first half and then they just kind of stopped doing it. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I Like, I don't want to overanalyze this one game like X's and O's wise just because like, I think the Wolves are almost unquantifiable in how like <laughs> bad and like lifeless they are and so right. yeah i mean that's that's a team that's just i think like almost transparently to me seems to be waiting for a coaching change like it, yeah and it's like i don't even know what direction they go because you look at the talent they have on their roster it is all guards it's d'angelo russell anthony edwards who just played out of his mind on tuesday uh malik beasley Jarrett culver ricky rubio Josh Okoji, and that's like that is like most of their young core outside a cat. Like you have to clear that up eventually, and like valuable forwards, like all star level forwards, just aren't readily available. It's almost as if if Jimmy they like Butler lean too far the into the small ball thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, they need a Jimmy Butler type on the Timberwolves, in my opinion. I think yeah. that that is what they could use. Yeah, they're just, I mean, again, I don't want to go too far on the Timberwolves, but like they, they're just, it, it's just sad. It's just sad to watch, and it's just a waste of an NBA team right now. And <laughs> like it's been a waste of an NBA team for probably 10 years. And like, I, I don't even know what they have to do, but they got to figure something out. But do you want to talk a little bit more about the Lakers? Uh, yeah, we can do that right when we come come back from the break. So, I I don't expect 
this Lakers team to struggle without Anthony Davis. That is not a concern of mine. I think there will be parts of the game they look less sharp at with Anthony Davis out. I think rim protection is probably my number one concern. And, you know, when you look at the potential for buyout candidates, uh, which a week from now is when the Lakers will be able to sign a player using the veterans minimum or a prorated veterans minimum exception uh, because they're operating under the hard cap. I think that's probably where they look because of situations like this, because they're lacking that rim protection. But otherwise, I don't know about you, Harrison, but I feel, I feel pretty comfortable with the eight remaining games on the schedule. Yeah, I'm not super worried. Like, the only thing to worry about is, uh, like, Anthony Davis, th- this lingering longer term than this initial yep. period that they're saying for sure he's going to be out. But even then, like, if he's healthy in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. I don't care about their seeding. I don't care how much they struggle. Like, I mean, yes, to some degree, obviously, you want them to play better. You want the other guys to develop a rhythm and play well. And, all, like, all, you know, all those caveats aside, though, this team is not, like I said, they're not doing anything that matters without Anthony Davis. And that's why... And I've made this point on a couple pods before, but, you know, I'm curious to see if you agree. Like, that's why, you know, between that and the Nets being able to get, you know, whatever good big man does become available, the Nets are going to get them because they have a starting lineup to promise. Like, unless, you know, there was, uh, you know, like one of these big guys watched JaVale McGee last year cheering from the bench and was like, you know what? That looks like a lot more fun than the situation I'm in right now. Yeah. Like they're not going to play for the Lakers when it matters and they're not going to join the Lakers. And so I think that honestly, you raised an interesting name and possibility in a piece that you're going to have coming out, you know, early tomorrow morning, maybe by the time people are listening to this and like, at least in trying to get like just more talent on the roster that maybe fits in somehow else but you know also doesn't solve necessarily their quote-unquote size issues that I don't think are really an issue when it matters but I digress yeah see that the thing with the Lakers is even the guys that are currently on the roster are struggling to get playing time this season and you know Markeith Morris had some pretty candid quotes last week about you know that his main issue in in his back and forth with Frank Vogel when Frank told him he wasn't going to be part of the rotation going forward was, you know, how was I, how was I part of this rotation in the finals? And now I'm out of the rotation in the regular season. It just didn't make sense to him. That's not because Anthony Davis is playing less Keith. That is the answer. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, it's also like Frank said himself, like, you know, we reloaded the roster. It's a, it's a different roster. The conversations aren't easy to have. I think when, Wesley Matthews signed with the Lakers. The early reports was that were that he was going to be able to compete for that starting shooting guard spot. Obviously, that hasn't been the case. Um, and 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 again, it's not going to get it's not going to get easier in the postseason. I think no, because not- that's when everybody wants to play. Like now is the time when you think that they'd be like, yeah, I'm all right, like resting, <laughs> you know, a little bit extra. I just went through a finals run. Like if he's already annoyed now, like yeah, he's not going to be happy just sitting on the bench during the postseason for any extended stretch. Like right, and you look at like a guy like Montrez Harrell, who I think has been great this season, like far exceeded any expectations I had of him. I think you know, following a few Clippers fans and and seeing the way they reacted to his performance in the postseason and then just watching him in that in that nugget series. I think it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And 
in my mind, put a ceiling on what he could do with this team. And to an extent, when the postseason rolls around, I think that will be the case. I think we'll see his minutes dip a little bit as a result of AD playing more center. Uh, but generally speaking, I think, you know, we have the, the Lakers have an idea of what kind of rotation they're going to play. And, you know, it means more minutes for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, less minutes for maybe, you know, Montrez Harrell and Taylor Horton Tucker for, you know, who all, all the confidence Frank Vogel has in him went as far as to call him his secret weapon last week. I think his minutes probably get cut down in the postseason. THC has been having a rough go of it for a couple yeah. weeks now, too. Like, that that's the other thing is, uh, you know, like, n- it turns out not being able to finish with your left hand is something that goes <laughs> on opposing team scouting reports pretty, uh, like, pretty quickly. Like, it only takes, you know, like, 20 games or so of real playing time, and then scouts are actually putting that on there. They're like, yeah, he will, like, absolutely, he has not even taken a left-handed layup at the rim this season. <laughs> like, that's astounding. Yeah. <laughs> I th- what what was crazy to me, and I think anybody who watched THT with the South Bay Lakers last year, his like rapid ascent in the preseason caught me off guard because I'm like, this is a guy who last year, if it was not a layup, it was unlikely to go in in general. Like you, yeah, saw, like you could see the tools, but the right. production wasn't always there. No, and and even defensively, like, and it's still the case. He mess he misses his defensive rotations every now and then and then I think because of how long his arms are when you look at his box score you see he's like picking up a few seals and even during the game he just looks absolutely suffocating as a one-on-one defender but I mean generally I, I think he's ahead of the curve for a guy who has like less than 500 minutes of NBA experience under his belt uh, but he is for also sure. only 20 years old like there are going to be guys that get more minutes than him in the postseason. Uh, and we we may have seen the start of that tonight when they really needed, you know, more guys that are going to make less mistakes because, you know, the Kamenetsky brothers pointed this out on Twitter and brought it to my attention. But, like, you know, he only played six minutes tonight. I just looked at the box score to double-check that. And, you know, this might be one of those things where – with Anthony Davis out, you have less margin for error. And yep. so you don't have room for THT to blow assignments on the perimeter like he can at times. And look, like I'm as high on his long-term potential as anyone, but there are still clearly flaws in his game on both ends. And I would not be surprised, like you're saying, if he is mostly a non-factor in the postseason, as much as we all like to hype him and think that he's going to be good. Like, yep. I just don't, think that he's going or maybe like a rocket series or it'll take the right series for him to really come in there and make an impact maybe a more wing heavy series like against the Clippers or something like that where you just need more long big bodies but like I I just for me I don't necessarily see a clear path to like as big of a role as he's playing during the regular season for sure I'm with you do you think the Lakers care about where they finish in the standings in in the regular season I don't think they do now. I think they did a little bit beforehand, like before this AD injury. Like they clearly mm-hmm. wanted to win, you know, a decent number of these games or they wanted to do just enough to win. But I, I certainly don't think like if you were to inject anyone but LeBron with truth serum, I don't think that they care about the record right now. I think LeBron, you know, very obviously wants to win his fifth MVP. But I, I think beyond that, I'm not sure how motivated everyone is to uh, other than like the guys whose motivation never turns off like Trez, you know, like Trez would never say that he wants to lose a game ever. Caruso, uh, Dennis, to some degree, like, like those guys, but for, outside of them, 
you know, I'm not sure how much they care about the regular season record. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know how much anybody cares about the regular season in general right yeah. now. Um, the games I have circled on my schedule, I think, are the same games everybody has circled on their schedule as, as it pertains to the the rest of the Lakers' first half season schedule. TBD on when we'll get that second half of the season schedule. It's, could be this week. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll could see. Be could, be, could be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we got the Nets coming up on Thursday. Um, I don't know if KD is We don't know yet. if KD is playing yet. They, they declared him out for the their next two games, but I think very intentionally did not preemptively declare him out for a national TV game and gave the NBA like kind of the, like, look, we're going to see if he can play and, yeah. you know, we'll see how his ankle's doing then. But yeah, he, <laughs> did, he did not play tonight. Kyrie did not play tonight for them against the Suns. And it, it is uh, just James Harden show right now, which, <laughs> you know, just James Harden versus just LeBron James would honestly be like, you know, a more fitting way to have this showdown. Like if it was the full strength Nets versus the AD list like Lakers, and there's not a lot you can take from that. Yeah, I, I, and it's a bit of a bummer that we're not gonna get that because you know who knows when we're gonna get it in the second half of the season schedule. I mean, if I had a guess, knowing the NBA, we'll probably get Lakers Clippers first day of the second half regular season schedule. That just seems to be the the one they lean on, but. Yeah, I would have liked to see Anthony Davis go head-to-head with Kevin No, I'll tell you why they're not going to have it be that. It's because they're not taking any chance that an all-star break-related COVID outbreak is, like, postponing (laughs) that game. So they're going to put it at some point during the season when, like, everyone has been locked down on the road for a little while and is, like, just parachuting back in to make sure that uh, there are no, like, pandemic absences. I saw somebody tweet the other day that the NBA is slowly reaching herd immunity. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean... (laughs) But I, I don't even want to go down that path too far. But I mean, look, if you look at how many guys have had it. Right. Yeah. The the percentage is close. Um, so, yeah, got Lakers Nets on Thursday, even without the Lakers being fully healthy and, you know, TBD on the Nets. I think that'll still be a fun game. Uh, you got the Heat on Saturday, which the Heat, you know, have been a little underwhelming. Finals rematch. Season. Yeah. <laughs> but what next Wednesday? is the game I'm really looking forward to. And that's Lakers jazz because as things stand, the Lakers are two games back of the number one seed in the Western conference. We'll see where they are by that time. But the jazz have looked like legit, like very, very good this year. Mike Conley looks as good as I thought he was going to look last season is that perfect fit next to Donovan Mitchell. And then you have Ingles and Bogdanovich just being the perfect floor spacers for that team around Rudy Gobert. It it seems like everything is clicking for them right now. And yet (laughs) that there is a piece of me that can't fully buy into them as contenders yet. Well, it's kind of like they have, it's not exactly buck syndrome uh, because like the bucks have been the number one seed and like all this stuff, like a, you know, Giannis back-to-back MVP, like they have all this other baggage of expectations and then, you know, dropping them that the Jazz obviously never carried. They were never as highly regarded as the Bucks. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a couple years now where people have talked about them like, oh, could they be a playoff dark horse? And then they never really do anything. And yeah. including blowing a 3-1 lead last year amid chemistry issues and injury stuff and, you know, all that, like, weird drama. So, like, you know, I know their fans are really excited about this run. I know it's been – I know that they're playing better, obviously, than they were last year. I, I – number one, you know, I said – 
I don't know how much we can take away from this Nets game. I mean, really, we don't know how much we could take away from any of these games without AD right. because obviously that is a very different Lakers team. But, you know, just from a, this matchup that we are getting on the floor perspective, you know, the, the number one thing I would have been looking for was, is Anthony Davis still Rudy Gobert's father? <laughs> but like we aren't going to get that matchup until later in the season. And so that is deeply disappointing to me. But next up on, you know, the factors list is like, does LeBron try to quiet this noise about like, you know, like, oh, like, does he try to make a preemptive statement of, oh, I beat the Jazz by myself in the so how are you going to hold our record yeah. you know like us having a maybe a worse record at the end of the year against uh, versus them against me in the MVP conversation like if I easily took them on by myself and we clearly seen that that's not a problem so I do think that he'll be motivated in that one and you know look maybe he tries to do AD a solid and just make Gobert look really really bad on defense so that you know AD can kind of make a late season resurgence into that (laughs) defensive player of the year or tries to help out fellow clutch client Ben Simmons who I know really wants that award (laughs) this year but you know all that aside I am curious to see just from like actual tangible takeaways that we can have from this I I guess just more of like how does Schroeder attack Gobert and pick and rolls and stuff like that with Trez? Does it look like Trez can kind of hold up and get away with guarding Rudy at times? Because like that will be something if they're going to play these smaller units or they're going to play any time with him at center. Like, can he hold up? Like, I know no one thinks of Rudy as a post-up threat, but he's like, he is competent in the post against smaller guys. And yeah. like, at the very least, the threat there, it's obviously not ever going to be the Jazz's go-to option. But if you put Trez on him, I assume they will go to it at least a bit. Again, I haven't watched enough of them to year, this year to know how frequently they go to that uh, like and feel confident in it. But that is something I think that is worth watching as like a small thing that we can still take away from this game without AD is what does Trez's post defense look like? What does Schroeder look like against a team like this? Like how much does he kind of take it personal going up against Mike Conley and, you know, Donovan Mitchell and these guys, what do those matchups look like? You know, how does Caruso look defensively against those two KCP Wes Matthews? Is that an option to throw out there on him on them? Like, you know, there are things that we can take away. It's just not quite as bigger sweeping you know, st- and do the Jazz have anyone that can stay in front of LeBron? I guess on the wing is kind of a question because if they don't in this game, they certainly don't when they're also having to deal with AD defensively. Yeah, buddy. If LeBron James dismantles the Jazz in the midst of their best season in a very long time, going like right into the All Star break too, just gives them like a like a dour mood, like heading in. You're, oh. you're gonna you're gonna have to take. You're going to have to change the password on the Silver Tune and Roll account. Because yeah, because I'm Anthony's going to get going himself to fired for up. tweeting mean things about the Jazz. Like, <laughs> what is uh, that? I mean, hopefully we get the chance to talk about it next week. If if you pair us together when you're making the podcast. I'm not schedule. going to now after that intro. There is, before we wrap <laughs> up, you know, I know that you haven't podcasted with me in a long time. And you've really enjoyed that. But I do like, to, I do have to, by contractual mandate, bring up one thing that you were not ready for right at the end when you're trying to close us out. And Christian, I have a very important question for you. And that question is, and it was led to me by the uh, brilliant mad geniuses at Clutch Points mm-hmm. who uh, posted a photo of uh, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle and Brandon Ingram in Lakers jerseys and then their current team's jerseys with their current team's averages over them. So you you following me now in this like visual analogy? 
Correct, yes. So that it says, here's their caption for this photo. Looks like D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, and Jordan Clarkson found the recipe for success, scared face. If you're the Lakers, do you regret letting these guys go? And so, Christian, I'm going to ask you, do you regret winning a championship last year because you don't have Julius Randle's MVP season, uh, MV, or all-star campaign, borderline fringe campaign, on, uh, and Jordan Clarkson's six-man-of-the-year campaign on your team? Like, do you regret clearing cap space for LeBron and then going and getting AD the next year by shipping those guys out? I Listen, I love those guys deeply. <laughs> they were... those teams are i I was i was talking to a friend about this the other day i don't know why but it's like it's a lot of fun watching bad teams like watching no expectation low expectation sports yeah you just enjoy every single part of it because you don't expect them to win so if they win it's a bonus if they lose you could still watch for the funny moments like but i uh i have a championship bottle uh from Michelob ultra on my desk and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All due respect to those guys, I wouldn't have that if if they were still on the team. I don't know if they, I don't even know if they're a, a playoff team. Yeah, if, I think like look, honest. you know, you can look at the Lakers scouting record. Not I, I, you know, I shouted this out on Twitter the other last night, and like there were a number of other people that did too. Like their scouting record is incredible. Their player yeah. development record you know, under the last coaching staff, less incredible. And I think that what we learned is those guys take time and who knows what they'd be if they just, but no team just keeps every single young player. You have to bring veterans in to help mentor those guys up. Like we've just never seen a team that just basically, I guess, other than, I guess the Wolves are trying this now uh, and we see how it's working out for them. Like you can't just have all young guys on the roster and like, even they have Ricky Rubio, you know, whatever it is. Like they never, the scouting department never would have been able to draft a full you know 15 to 17 man roster with two-way contracts and stuff and so that was just never going to happen and it wouldn't have been as good as this team anyway and so I don't know I, I just think I think there are very real criticisms to being done of like you know how good are the Lakers at evaluating their own talent in-house versus like and that or how good are they at developing players although that's again more of a thing for the last coaching staff what you can't criticize them on is what they did with that talent in turning it into these two guys and in LeBron and AD and the current roster that they have now so I just thought that that was like like did you really is this really the caption the year after they won the title like because Julius Randle is averaging 22 points the Lakers the Lakers regret their championship like listen man I as much as I love Lonzo Ball putting up triple singles. They didn't even put him on the graphic. That's my favorite part. Lonzo's not even on there. Like just the biggest shape. Like they put D'Lo on there, who's played like three games this season. And yeah. <laughs> but I, I obviously do not. It, this may come as a surprise to anybody, but I do not get a media vote for the All Star game. If what? I did, I would vote for Julius Randle because God, he's. He's he's playing like the the game I am convinced LeBron James uh like committed to joining the Lakers is when Julius Randle put up a LeBron stat line on LeBron James and the Cavaliers. That was awesome. I mean, obviously um, that was not true because <laughs> LeBron did not exactly fight hard for the Lakers to re-sign him <laughs> that summer after committing. So uh yeah, because they needed that cap space for Anthony, yeah, he knew Anthony Davis was available. It was all part of the plan. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I just had to bring that up because I I do think that it's hilarious that this is becoming a thing that people are like, well, the Lakers can't develop talents. Like, well, you know, it's better than developing, you know, a a fringe rotation or not fringe rotation, but, you know, 
Yeah. Good rotation players is trading them for maybe the best one-two punch in NBA history when it's all said and done. They are not there yet, but we'll see how the next couple of years goes. Like they certainly, you know, are going to be in, you know, contention for that. I think if they're as good as we think that they can be for, you know, the window that we think that they can go. I think you are severely sleeping on Jordan Clarkson's uh, potential as an NBA champion. Yeah, I never forget Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell, the swag bros, you know, like... <laughs> Forget the Splash Bros. I want the Swag Bros back. <laughs> I want Eagle Doll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and with that, that's I mean that's what basically that's what that clutch points graphic was. Is yeah. I want Eagle Doll. That honestly the was guy. the I want Eagle Doll as a graphic. <laughs> so thank you. We found it out. Max Kellerman makes the clutch points graphics. What a talented and versatile sports media personality. That'll do it for this week. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, thank you so much for for joining me uh, for the show. Anthony, if you are listening to this, I hope you're doing well. And if you're in Texas, Christian, there's safe. zero chance that he is listening to this. I, I promise you. <laughs> like you, you gotta like like. And number one, he doesn't have power. Number two, that would mean that he like worked during the day. It, it, you know, even <laughs> somewhat. You know, on listening to other podcasts and informing himself. So Listen, there's no chance. I'm trying to send well wishes to Anthony and the people of Texas. Hope I will send all... well wishes to the people of Texas. I will send well wishes to Dr. Jen and Anthony's daughter. I'm not sending well wishes <laughs> to Anthony. Uh, we will we will catch you guys all next week.